0: Well, we're still in our series called Jesus is Better, and we're looking at today this idea of Palm Sunday, where Jesus enters into Jerusalem for this holy week. And we're going to look at what it looks like to be a part of a different kind of kingdom. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to meet someone famous. Uh, Maybe you've seen someone out somewhere and you think, I think I know who they are. Maybe you've been bold enough to go up and introduce yourself and to speak to them. Uh, As a kid, I had an opportunity to meet a couple of players. Uh, I grew up in Oklahoma, and so I was never a fan of pro teams. I was a a fan of the greatest college in the country, the University of Oklahoma, and I was always a fan of people, players who had ties to Oklahoma. And so two of my favorite players were Troy Aikman, who grew up where my mom grew up in Henrietta, Oklahoma, and then a player named Joe Carter. Uh, I, in the, the picture with Joe Carter, I was taking hitting lessons with his brother, Uh, And so when I was a young kid, his brother would would do some lessons for me with baseball, and he invited my father and I to go to a game down in Texas uh, when the Blue Jays were playing uh, the the Texas Rangers. And so, you know, I'm a a 9, 10-year-old kid, and I'm thinking, this is going to be cool. I'm going to go get to see uh, Joe Carter play baseball. Well, his brother meets us and says, hey, uh, come with me. We're going to go down into this area. And so I'm a naive kid, I have, nowhere. I, I have no idea where we're headed and he enters into these doors and we walk into the Blue Jays locker room. Now you may not be a sports fan, you may could care less, but for me as a nine-year-old, I walk in and I see Joe Carter sitting on a stool being interviewed by ESPN, right? And this is huge for me, right? I'm in awe of Joe Carter and then Joe calls me over. And he interacts with me for a few moments and I take this great picture with Joe Carter uh, in the locker room. And there was something in that moment that was meaningful to me. That he took just a few moments. And, And at that age what I didn't realize is he had done that probably with hundreds or thousands of kids. I had the chance to meet Troy Aitman in Oklahoma. He was raising some money to build a weight room. And so, again, I paid. That was one of those where I paid. I didn't pay. Let me say that again. My parents paid. For me to go and sit for a few moments with Troy. Aitman. But there is something ar- about being around someone like that. Yeah. Maybe for you it was a musician, someone who was famous, but, but there is something that happens. I don't know if you can think about that, if you remember what it was like meeting someone and the emotions that you had, the importance of that moment for you, or the significance. And the question you have to ask yourself is why was that important? Why was that significant? And honestly, now uh, that I'm older, it doesn't seem so significant. Yeah. Right? He's just another guy. He's just another guy. But, but what in those moments makes it feel like it's important or significant? Well, I want to look at the scripture that was read earlier, and we're going to look at why this was important as Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Uh, why did it matter? Uh, why did people respond like they did? And then what went wrong? See, something happened between Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, where he is welcomed into Jerusalem to Friday, where Jesus ends up on a cross. Something happened. And so we're going to look at that today. Before we do that, though, I want you to watch this video that came out uh, about a basketball player named Dwayne Wade. Uh, Dwayne Wade is one of the the greatest basketball players to play. Uh, He's had some significant moments in his life. And from behind the scenes, or not behind the scenes, just from seeing him, uh, his life was about what he did on a court. Uh, But there was so much more to Dwayne Wade and what he did for other people. Watch this. Right, so for Dwayne Wade, we see something that happens on a court, and he has had made millions of dollars. And people want to be around Dwayne Wade because of that. But the real reason that Dwayne Wade has had an important role in his community and significance is because he used that as a resource and as a tool to invest in other people's lives. See, Dwayne Wade wasn't just about himself, but he was about others. We're going to see that that, in a way, goes wrong for Jesus, the teaching of Jesus as he rides into Jerusalem and what he would do the last week of his life, ends up getting him on a cross. Let's look at uh, Matthew 21 again. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible around you somewhere. That's our gift to you. You can have that. Uh, It'll also be on the screen. Uh, But Matthew 21. It says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Just a side note, I don't know if that would really work anymore, Uh, just to do what you want and just say, Yeah, Jesus needs this and uh, take, but that's what happens in this uh, moment. Verse 4, it says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds then that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of God. Of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. We see that last week, if you were here, uh, that Jesus has this encounter with blind Bartimaeus. Uh, He sees this man sitting on a road who has called out to him. And for Bartimaeus, He believed that Jesus was better than anybody that had ever come along. Bartimaeus had called out for probably his entire life looking for help. But in this moment, he had heard about Jesus. So his request for Jesus was going to look dramatically different than just a few coins to get through the day. Because he believed that Jesus was better than anyone who had come along. Now, there were some naysayers. There were some people who tried to silent Bartimaeus. But it actually just increased Bartimaeus' calling out to Jesus and then Jesus hears him. Can I just stop for a second and, and encourage you that no matter what is going on in your life right now, I believe when we cry out to God, he hears us. That maybe things won't turn out like we want in the moment. That maybe we don't hear from God in that moment, but would you just be encouraged today To know that he hears you? If you've never read the Psalms, would you read the Psalms? They're written by this guy who's just in this place of worshiping God and acknowledging God, but in these moments of just despair, he feels alone and he cries out to God. He hears you when you cry out. And so Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus hears him and says, call him to me. And he asks Bartimaeus, what do you want? And Bartimaeus says, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus heals him in that moment. And then it says that Bartimaeus follows Jesus because he believed he was better than even just being healed. I mean, healing was great. Bartimaeus, I promise, uh, I, I, and I believe that Bartimaeus was excited that he could now see. He wanted to be near to Jesus. And this is, the, this is the last healing that we have from Jesus before he enters into Jerusalem. And then from that moment, he begins his walk into Jerusalem, and there is this parade that happens. There's this crowd that is surrounding Jesus, and he enters into Jerusalem. And when he enters into Jerusalem, I believe Jesus knows what is waiting for him at the end of the week. He he knows what he will have to bear and what his life is going to look like. What's interesting in this scripture and in this story, we, we see this reference Um, in verse 5, of something that took place hundreds of years before Jesus comes. Uh, There's these prophecies, these writings, uh, where these men and women would, would hear from God and they would speak about what's going to happen in the future. There's over 300 writings that point to the life of Jesus, many of those about the end of his life. And this is one of those. This is one of those where in Zechariah 9, the writer says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. He comes to bring something to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was written hundreds of years before this takes place. This is a moment when we can look back to the promise of God. That that God says, look, I am going to send someone I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to save you. And this is that moment where we begin to see it come to fruition. That there was purpose in the plan. That there was purpose and a promise to what was going to happen. So this procession is more than just by accident. It was meant to happen. But there's another procession that's also taking place at this same exact moment, historians say. That as Jesus is entering into the eastern side of Jerusalem, on the western side of Jerusalem, there is also a processional. There is also a parade uh, for a man named Pontius Pilate. Now, this procession looks very different. Uh, Pontius Pilate rides in. Pontius Pilate was a Roman governor. Uh, we'll, we'll actually hear more about him on Friday. But he would have been riding in on a large, massive war steed. I mean, This would be a large horse that Pontius Pilate sits on. And around him would be soldiers also on horses and they would all be clad in leather armor. They would have helmets and they would have swords or spears, they would have bows with a quiver of arrow, and there would be these drummers who are welcoming Pontius Pilate and his crew into Jerusalem. Now, the, the people watching, if you were Jewish, would have been watching in fear. They would have been afraid of Pontius Pilate. See. Every time this time of year would have been known as Passover. This was a time where God had saved his people out of captivity. It's a moment where God sends his spirit and passes over the Jewish families and saves them as he brings destruction on those who weren't. And for every year, the Jews would celebrate this. They would remember the Passover. They would remember the time there where they were freed, where these people of captivity would be liberated by God. And so now the Jewish people find themselves just in a different hostile environment with a different ruler. It was Egypt, but now it's Rome. And so the thought of uprising was always in the air. There was always this thought by the Roman rulers that they may have an uprising again. They may rebel. And it had been about 35 years since that had last happened, but it had happened. And so Pontius Pilate or another Roman ruler would ride in to intimidate the people. They wanted people to live in fear. And about 35 years before this, in a rebellion, they crucified around 2,000 Jews who were a part of the rebellion. They would actually line the streets with crosses with with people on them as a way to show what would happen if you tried to rebel if you tried to go against the powers that be so it was a warning pontius pilate comes in as a warning as a dramatic reminder of what would happen if anybody tried to rebel against them but we see that jesus procession is quite different that jesus comes in on a donkey gentle, not on a war steed, not with a sword. He comes full of grace, not judgment. He comes in love, not fear. He comes in peace, not displaying a power of intimidation. And the people respond. They, they spread their cloaks on the ground. Uh, they would do this for royalty. This was an act of submission. So this wouldn't have been the first time that this would have happened. Uh, this was you could say, tradition or a response, uh, but there was something they recognized in Jesus as being a king. They call this out, right, as they welcome him in. See, your king comes to you. Hosanna, this word which means to save. They begin to cry that out, and they put their cloaks on the road as a sign of submission, and then they cut these palm branches. Uh, This would have been done as a way to celebrate royalty, as a way to celebrate Victory. The crowd moves along with him and they call it Hosanna to save. It was a sign of adoration or of praise. See, they did recognize that Jesus was a king. They even believed that he was the Messiah, the one who would come and save them, the one who would rescue them from the oppressor. While Pontius Pilate comes displaying power and fear and crushing anybody who opposes him, Jesus comes to bring peace and a different kind of kingdom. See, it was in these moments that these people had this certain expectation of what Jesus was going to do. See, they believed that Jesus was going to come and overthrow the current kingdom with power, with might. They knew he was going to destroy the oppressor. They were going to get rid of the unfair tax system, that they were going to put the common people back in places of power. They would be in control again. However, It wasn't long after this moment when they realized their expectations weren't going to be met. They didn't get what they wanted. They realized that this king, Jesus, and the kingdom of heaven was going to look dramatically different than any kingdom they have ever experienced. See, they honestly were about their own kingdom. Here's what can happen to us if we're not careful is I begin to care more about the kingdom of Kyle than I do about the kingdom of God. That I care more about what I can get or the power that I could have than I care about what God is trying to do around me and in me and through me. I miss the message of Jesus when it's about the kingdom of Kyle and not the kingdom of God. Jesus is entering into Jerusalem to bring a different kind of kingdom. He wasn't the typical kind of king that they had seen. The amazing thing is this group of people who call out Hosanna, who acknowledge who he is and cries out to save them, most historians believe are the same group that call out crucify him just a few days later. They, they welcome Jesus in They want something from him, and when it's not what they want, they want to get rid of him. They actually realized that Jesus was making things more difficult, not easier, not better. He would say these radical things that that caused a radical response, and it was getting the attention of the Jewish people, not just the Jewish people, but the religious people, the higher up people who had something to lose, they had power to lose. See, can I let you know that following Jesus isn't easy. Following Jesus isn't about being comfortable. Following Jesus is not about our own kingdom. It's a radical way to live life that says not my will or my way, but God's ways. So it's the religious leaders, it's the Roman rulers, it's those who worshiped Jesus and welcomed him and who were trying to figure out a way to get rid of Jesus. They were afraid a rebellion was going to take place. This new kingdom that was coming in was not the kingdom that anybody was after or looking for. Here's what's interesting to me as I think about this and I read this. They, they believed that he was a king. They don't deny him being the king. It just simply didn't fit into their kind of kingdom. So his kingdom is not looking like the kingdoms of the world then, but it also doesn't look like the kingdoms of our world now. See, the world leads out of fear. Uh, Most people who we see with authority often uh, leads people out of intimidation and fear, but Jesus leads out of love or by invitation. See, the world says to be served. The world says get what you deserve, get what is yours, and Jesus says serve others. The world says, do whatever it takes to win. Jesus says, do whatever you can to elevate other people. Power in the world is success. Submission to Jesus is success. The world is me first, while Jesus is others-centered. World says, self-interest first. Jesus says, often sacrifice your interest for others. I'll say that one just one more time. Uh, The world says to care more about your own interests. Where Jesus says, actually sacrifice your own interests for others. The world says to have an agenda for your people who look like you or think like you or believe like you or live like you. And Jesus says to have a love for all people in all places without condition. See, the way of God's kingdom is better than the kingdom of the world if we're willing to follow that kind of kingdom. We often want to get ahead, but it comes at the expense of others. However, the kingdom of heaven is never about simply getting ahead or getting what we desire or want, but it's about experiencing and living out the call of God on our lives to truly love others. So if you're in a position of power, and some of you are, uh, some of you have large responsibilities. That could be as a parent. Uh, that could be in your position in the community. That could be in your position at work. But, but you have power. You're invited, as a follower of Jesus, to lead differently, to point to a different kind of kingdom. So Jesus rides in on Holy Week, the beginning of Holy Week, and begins to point to a different kind of kingdom. Uh, many people believe he'll use his power and authority to take control of a group of people to overthrow the powers that be, but we see a few days later really what Jesus is doing. Um, It's one of those moments, one of the last moments that we see Jesus really pointing to who he is and what he is attempting to do and wanting to accomplish. John 13, John 13, these are these last moments with his disciples, those who are following uh, Jesus. Um, These are the moments where Jesus is about to leave, and he's wanting to point to something. And so we see chapter 13, verse 1, says this. It says it was just before the Passover feast, right, we talked about that. This is the beginning of Passover. Now they're at the moment of the Passover feast. They've had a meal with one another. It says Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of of his love. L- listen, uh, Friday we're going to celebrate what Jesus does on a cross. And that is significant. It is significant and important. Th- this would have probably happened Wednesday, Thursday as they enter into this, this time. And we just hear Jesus say that this is going to show the extent of my love. We know that God loves us and we know that he loves that because he sends Jesus to die on a cross. Jesus says, in this moment, do you want to know how much I love you? Verse 2, it says, the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Just real quickly, Jesus was the most powerful person in the room, the most powerful person in Jerusalem, the most powerful person to ever live. And Jesus, in that moment, says, I can do whatever I want. I have the power. And realizing he has the power, he does something. Verse 4, it says he. so he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So, if you've heard teachings of this, uh, I've shared a little bit of, about this in the past, uh, but you can imagine everyone walked during this time, and you wore sandals, and so your feet would become disgusting. Uh, it's probably an understatement. Uh, they, they would have been horrendous, right? And when you would enter into someone's home, usually you would be given a bowl of water to clean your feet, and, and, and I've heard both. Sometimes they would have a servant do it, but... Most historians I've read said they wouldn't even ask their lowest servant to wash someone's feet. I mean, that would almost be cruel to do that. So it would provide a way for you to clean your own feet. and So you'd be given a bowl, and you'd be given a towel, and you would clean your feet, and you would dry them off yourself. And Jesus says, I have all the power that I need, and let me show you what it looks like when you have power. Jesus takes a towel, and he wraps it around his waist and he takes a bowl of water and he goes to his disciples and he begins to wash their feet. I think we can look past that really quickly. This is significant. This is the kind of kingdom that Jesus is pointing to. Jesus is pointing to a kingdom that says, if you have power If you have a voice, if you have responsibility, if you have opportunity, you don't abuse it. If you really want to be a part of something that matters, you serve. If you want to do something significant in your life, if you want to come alongside of the kingdom of heaven, it is not about you. It is not about the kingdom of Kyle. But it's about me figuring out what it looks like to radically love and serve the people around me. I mean, what kind of king does this? It's a king bringing in a different kind of kingdom. The one who was welcomed with the cries of Hosanna as king as the one who would save, who in just the next couple of days would be brutally beaten, who would go to a cross, says, let me show you what love looks like. This was radical. The kingdom of heaven is radical and so what does it look like for us? What does it really look like for us to live into this kind of kingdom? In business, what would it look like for you to not just look to be served by those under you, but look to serve them, to come alongside of them and to serve people in your home? Right? We can quickly go to the community that we want to serve the community. We can quickly go to how we want to have a meaningful impact in the lives of others. But if you are unable to serve those in your home, You will never be able to serve those people in your community. What does it look like in your home to wash one another's feet? For my kids in the room, to serve your parents. For parents who have power and authority to not abuse it, but to actually point to a different kind of kingdom and radically love your children. In our community, not acting out of our own self-interest, but at the interest of other people right one of our core values is that we're not about our own kingdom right but we are about the kingdom of god and so i have said before it does not matter what happens in the walls of this building it doesn't matter how successful trinity could look that if our community is not better because of us then we are missing what god has for us it is both we pour into one another we invest in one another's lives but it is not out of our own self-interest it is about the kingdom of God or our country. That the moment we have an agenda for ourselves or for our own people, we have missed it. But for all people in all places. Right? This, this is hard to hear sometimes and, and not easy to, to always understand. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you belong to the kingdom of heaven before you belong to to the kingdom of our country. You belong to the kingdom of heaven before you are a citizen of the United States. And that is a radical way of doing life. That is not looking at our own self-interest, but at the interests of others. See, when Jesus comes, there are a lot of people who thought that Jesus was only coming for the Jews, only for those people. But we see that the people that Jesus interacted with were not the right people. It wasn't the people who belonged or who were welcomed. The call, as Jesus puts on our lives, is to love those who are overlooked, who are oppressed, who are forgotten about. That is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And then even in the church, what what does it look like for us to not view this as something I just receive something from. That the church isn't just a place I go to get something. But the church, us, together, not a building, us, is about saying, how can I serve people? That doesn't mean just signing up and volunteering in a ministry, and this is where you guys do such a good job, is, is what does it look like to really walk alongside people? In times of hurt and of despair and of need, what does it look like to not wait for someone in position myself or someone else to organize something? And so one of the f- my favorite things that I hear is when I've contacted someone and I, and I ask what they need, if we could bring some meals to them, and they say, oh, no, 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 someone else has already done that for me. I'm like, oh, we didn't do a sign-up genius. We didn't set up a, a meal plan for you. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 they just, they came alongside of me. They cared for me and they love me. There's something radical that can happen with a group of people when we don't live out of our own self-interest, but the interest of other people. Something happens and we become a part of a different kind of kingdom. So they, they reject at first Jesus washing their feet, right, because there's no king who would do that kind of thing. And then in verse 12, when eventually they give in And allow Jesus to wash their feet. Jesus, verse 12, says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent them. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know them, go and do. Now that I've set an example and you know what to do, go and do it. Now that you know, go and live it out. So, so here's the, the, the thing that we have to always wrestle with when we read God's word. When I teach It is not just about knowledge or understanding, right? In this moment, Jesus doesn't simply say, look at what great thing I have done for you. There is now an invitation. There is an invitation to be a part of something, to be a part of a kingdom that is different because when you get to the point where you believe that Jesus' kingdom is better than any other kingdom, then our response is to participate in what God is doing So what if, what if you could begin to put these things into practice? How would not only yourself experience the kingdom of heaven, but how could other people? What would it look like for those who have rejected God? Those who say, I don't want anything to do with God. What would it look like if they saw a group of people live out what it looks like to be a part of the kingdom of heaven? What would happen in our community if The hundred plus of us said, we've heard and we'll do. We'll look for the needs of our community on our own, right? We're going to be doing some things and we have done some things and we're continually figuring out what it looks like for us to, to seek justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly before God, right? That's a mandate that is put on us and we're going to do that collectively, but here's the good thing you don't need someone to organize that for you. When you begin to see the needs around you, even if it means sacrificing, you'll respond. How would our schools look different? How would our community look different if we didn't look at our own self-interest but also at the interests of others? Now let me warn you, uh, this will hurt. It, it won't always go well. People may take advantage of it. People won't respond as we want them to respond. And it hurts. It hurts. When when you get lower than people, because that's what Jesus does in that moment. Um, Jesus doesn't stay on a throne above everyone. He literally, physically gets lower than anyone in the room. And he says, what I want to show you is what it looks like to love one another. And so what could happen? What could happen if we do that and we take that on for ourselves? But listen to what Paul says, last scripture, Philippians 2. Uh, Paul is someone who has an encounter with God. He, he didn't uh, like Christians, understatement. Uh, he would kill Christians and persecute Christians. And, and he has this radical transformation, right? Paul, at one point, he gives this uh, history of his life and how great he was. He tells about how zealous he is for God and how he comes from the right kind of people. That, that was uh, Paul's former life, but he has this encounter. And in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 1, in this letter he's writing to some Christians, he says this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Uh, That if word, you, you could change it to because, because you have encouragement, be because you're united with Christ, because you have comfort from his love. What does he say? Do nothing, nothing, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Then he says, uh, here's how and why. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Remember, who has all power and authority, who is welcomed as a king. Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but... Made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus comes to lead a rebellion. They, They were right. He was leading a rebellion. He was leading a rebellion against the kingdoms of the world that had been set up. And he was saying there is a different way to do life and he lost his life because of it. He gave up his life in obedience. He, he gave up his life, even death on a cross as criminals would die, to point to a different kind of kingdom. So are you encouraged? Are you encouraged because of being united with Christ? Are you comforted by his love? Are you connected to the Holy Spirit? Then we need to be like-minded. Together, having the same love with one another, and then to begin to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, not thinking first of ourselves, but the interest of others. Our goal as followers of Jesus is not to establish our own kingdom or to even argue or fight for God, but it is simply to be like Jesus. Paul is saying, be like Jesus. Live your life like Jesus. Jesus says, you've seen what I've done. Now you go and do likewise. And so the king, Jesus, he gives his life for you and for me. And so what is your response? What is my response? What is our response? In what way have you believed that the lie of what the world has to offer is better than the kingdom Jesus offers? In what way have you thought, ah, Jesus is good, but I think I need to acquire more or to seek my own interests first, maybe even at the expense of others? In what way today, this week, can you humble yourself and wash someone else's feet? And, and I think you are wise enough um, and smart enough to understand <laughs> That this doesn't physically mean to do that because that might weird uh, people out. Um, But what does it look like? What is the one thing at where you work that no one wants to do? What is the thing you, you often have an opportunity to do that will serve the interests of others, but because of sacrifice and looking to your own self interest, you don't do? How could you do that this week? How could you do that in your home, at your work, in our community? How could you do that? How how can you live out the call that Jesus gives now that you know, now that you have heard about this different kind of kingdom, then you go and do as well? Uh, one of my favorite quotes, Greg's gonna come up. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther King uh, Junior is this Life's most persistent and urgent question is this What are you doing for others? What are you doing for others? Would you stand as I pray? Father, we can't do this on our own. Lord, it is natural for me to look to my own self-interest. And so, would you search my heart? Would you point out the areas of my life where I look at the kingdom of Kyle first? And then would you help me to, to do what you've asked me to do? to live a radical kind of a life of a different kind of kingdom where we truly love one another, that we care about the needs of others and not just the needs of ourselves. That as we make decisions, Lord, we would ask the question, how will this hurt or how will this help someone else? God, would you help us to be a part of this radical kind of way of doing life? God, this is the kingdom that I want to be a part of. This is the kind of church that we want to lead and be a part of. We want the kingdom of God to come into our community. We want to see the kingdom move. We want to see justice fought for. We want to see people experience mercy. God, would you use us as a church? But ultimately, Lord, would you use us as individuals? Not seeking credit or acknowledgement, but simply because you've told us to do it didn't just tell us lord but you did it for us god i pray for my friends in the room today who maybe have never believed that you have come for them that you love them deeply and that you have died on a cross for them and their sins in these moments lord would they just accept that for themselves would they acknowledge their need for you and as friday comes lord we will celebrate and recognize but also understand the darkness of that night but Lord, we are so thankful that we know that Sunday is coming. We are so thankful that you are alive and you are with us. God, as we leave this place, will we not be the same? Could we participate in your kingdom today? Pray, in Jesus. Name.